Welcome to Fostering Hope, a program that opens a door into the world of foster care and adoption, sponsored by Foster Adopt Connect. You'll hear stories from all facets of foster care, from kids who have experienced the system firsthand, from parents who are taking on the challenges and rewards of creating forever families for foster children, and from child welfare workers and policymakers who work within the system while also working to make it better. Besides hearing important stories, you'll learn how you can help society's most vulnerable children in big ways or small. Please welcome our host, the Youth Program Supervisor at Foster Adopt Connect, Nathan Ross. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to Fostering Hope. I'm your host, Nathan Ross, here with Jennifer Townsend, my co-host. Hello, JT. Hi, how are you? I'm doing great. Uh, We are here with Maddie and Heather, who we've been talking to for the last three weeks about their journey coming into being a family. So we've had Maddie as the adoptee talking about her experiences prior to coming into care and then being adopted by the six. And we have Heather as the adoptive mom talking about what her life was like prior to having Maddie in her home and what their relationship looked like when it started out. Hi, guys. Hi. Hi. Good to have you back here as we wrap up our four-part story. So last week we talked about the adoption experience. Maddie, what it was like for you being adopted into a family. <clears throat> Heather, what you and Robbie were like when you were adopting and when you finally felt that Maddie was a gelled part of the team. So we wanted to kind of pick up where we left off in that and kind of talk about some of those normal experiences. I know as a adopted person that people often assume that if you're in foster care, all of your experiences are rough or awkward or not unique to those growing up in traditional families. But that isn't always the experience. I had some very traditional times in my home and got to do some of those activities. So, Maddie, can you talk to us about what that was like for you? Did you have chances to just be a normal kid? Um, yeah. Uh, every day I get the chance to be a normal kid. It's just my story is different. Um, I, I'm a track and cross-country, four-year varsity, um, high school athlete, I've been the state and choir multiple times. Um, so my life my life is pretty normal, pretty traditional. Okay. So do you have any stories for us about some of those, like track and all that stuff? What made you get into those? What, what did that look like? Um, I started track and cross country in middle school. And um, I really started because I needed something to do. And uh, we saw that when I was busy running or, you know, working out, um, after school, I, it kept my grades up. Um, so that's what helped me kind of keep going with it. Um, I'm also really good at it. <laughs> and uh, it's a good way for me to kind of relieve some of that anger and stress that I carry around with me sometimes. Okay. And Heather, for you, what what has the family experience has been like? I, we talked again about how there are atypical things in an adoptive and foster family, but what are some of the normal experiences that you've been able to share with Maddie and the rest of your family? Well, I think it's it's always, an adoptive family is always unique because it comes together in a, in a way that isn't the way a typical family comes together. And so I think just the fact that there are so many kids in our house makes mm-hmm. life an adventure all of the time. Uh, there are 15 kids there most of the time. And so you always have someone to play with. You always have someone to get a good game of kickball going in the yard. Mm-hmm. Um, we we take trips, but we don't always fly places because 
We probably would need our own plane to do that <laughs> without any kids. But we go lots of on lots of road trips and we do things together. And the idea, the kind of the ideas are, so when Maddie runs in a meet, we all go to the meet and Maddie has the biggest cheering section there. When we go to track meets, um, those are long sort of all day events. And so we all would go, but the kids bring their, um, what, I remember one time we went to a track meet, I think it was out in Belton and they had this really cool stadium with bleachers. It was nice. And all the kids were into WWE wrestling at that time. And so I had seven <laughs> kids with me that were like under eight that were all wearing WWE masks over their head and cheering for Maddie. <laughs> and so Maddie's cheering and they would follow her around the outside of the track and kind of run parallel with her when she was warming up. And so it looked like Maddie was running with this little gang of hooligans kind of following yeah. around behind her that were yelling out WWE stories and like they would do this jump and go yeah yeah all the way around and so Maddie uh, got some special attention <laughs> at those meets for having her um her own cheering squad and so it's kind of a it's kind of a benefit to being an adopted like that would be the kind of the way that you'd know that her family's a little different but it doesn't it isn't different always bad it's it's mm-hmm. different um you get different supports in a way that you don't i'm pretty sure that maddie never expected that she would have yeah eight wrestlers running around behind her cheering for her that look like sin cara or you know these weird funny painted masks and so it's i think that's a fun i think that those are the kind of fun things that happen in our life and so maddie i know a couple of weeks ago we talked about Having, you know, you being uh, African-American female and having parents who are white and how that could be awkward. I know when I was doing extracurricular activities when I was first adopted, it was weird to have people, you know, I was in theater. And so I had my family come up to me after a show and see other people and their families looked alike. And so people would, you know, obviously want to be introduced to my family. And it was like, uh. (laughs) <laughs> I wasn't embarrassed of them, but I'm embarrassed to have to tell people I'm adopted. Mm-hmm. Did you have any of those, experience, of those experiences, or was it just, this um, is us? Yeah, a couple times in high school, um, I did. I was kind of embarrassed. Like, man, I have to kind of tell them, because they're going to meet my parents, and they're going to wonder what happened. Yeah. Um, and especially when I would get in trouble with teachers or whatever. And I know one time, Dad came to school to back me up on something, and the, he walks in the room and the lady goes, there's no way you can be her dad. She's black. Oh. And yeah. it kind of set the tone for the meeting. I, I skipped out on that one. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> it was, it's it's not that I'm embarrassed that my family is different. Exactly. I'm in, it's just kind of, I, I feel like I shouldn't have to explain myself to people all the time. Like yep. people should just go with the flow. Yeah, you're exactly right. It's not the embarrassment of them. It's that feeling of having to explain yourself that makes it just mm-hmm. feel uncomfortable. And, and so for you, Heather, tagging on to that experience of not being qualified to be her parents because you look different, how have you and Robbie gone through normalizing that experience for, for Maddie and for your other kids? We just look at it as an opportunity to help people learn. Um, you know, families come together sometimes by choice. Like if you really stop and think about it, every marriage comes together by choice or most Mm. every marriage comes together by choice. And so the reality is, is that our family just got bigger that Mm. in that same way we make a, a, we take an oath in front of a judge and the commitment is the same. Um, 
the idea that that family could stop happening would also require the same kind of legal action. So we don't view that as an option. And so when we go places, we have, and we have a very blended family. We have African-American kids and kids that are of Latino culture. And then we have some Hispanic kids. Um, and we have a couple Caucasian kids in there, but we really don't look anything alike. And it's interesting because in all venues you get to talk about why we go to get, why we actually do go together. Mm -hmm. And so at school there can be at at school in high school right now, I have a a kid that is um, Cuban. I have a child that I have Maddie who's African-American and then we have a Caucasian kid and they all share the same last name, but the teachers can't seem to put it together that they are siblings. Mm -hmm. And so they always think they're cousins or that it's just, a big family with our last name and they're mm-hmm. not actually related at all. And so you have to do a lot of, um, actually, no, they go together and they're yeah. the same ride home. And could you schedule a parent teacher conferences in a way that makes some sense so that we could right. get to all of them at one time? Um, I think we found, we have found that food servers are kind of the people that are most intrusive and ask a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. And it's always, that's always a little bit awkward to me mostly because people that make a comment like, are these all your kids? Mm-hmm. Sometimes the comment is want, they want to know if we know how they get there. Mm. And we laugh to ourselves because we're, we know how they get there. It's not exactly what they're implying. Right. right. And so we laugh about that one, but then sometimes they want to know, they get more pointed and want to know the kid's story. And we feel that the kid's story is really the kid's story and isn't for public consumption or public knowledge about how we came together. Like Maddie, we, we just think it should just you should just go with it and let it be. But there are people that sometimes won't, and so we find um, actually that the kids are getting better at deflecting the answer. So we were at a retail store one time, and I think I had six African American kids with me, and they were all teenagers, and they kind of like went in the door and then scattered around the store to find the stuff they wanted to buy, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they managed to meet up with me and filled the cart with, you know, these ridiculous things that they all needed to have. And we got up to the counter to check out in the late. They were all kind of, you know, talking and knocking into each other and being loud. And mm-hmm. the lady was a was cashiering and she had a scarf around her neck and she was very proper and was very bothered by. You could tell she was very bothered by this many teenagers and the volume that it didn't belong in this retail store. And she made a comment to me like, are these are these all your children? And I said, Actually, no, they found me in the parking lot and they have followed me around the store until I'm willing <laughs> to commit to buying them Nike socks and Mizzou basketball shorts. And I, I think you really should probably talk to your security personnel because this is some significant harassment. I'm trying to tell them to like knock it off. Yeah. You know, and Maddie was, Maddie here heard that there was some, and so the lady tries to reach on the counter like she's going to push a button, like to we're in a bank security. to call security. <laughs> oh, but there's, wow. no, there's no call. And the kids are like, what? And I'm like, knock it off. Let's go outside. But Maddie steps up next to me and she's like, puts her face right next to mine. And she's pretty dark complected and I'm super white. And so we don't look at all alike. You can't tell that because we're on radio, but mm-hmm. you can see yeah. it, but other people can't. So for their benefit, we don't look at all alike. And Maddie puts her elbow on my shoulder and puts her face next to mine. And she's like, what's the matter, mom? Can't people tell we go together? And I was like, no, it's okay, Maddie, let's go out. But Maddie took the lead on people shouldn't ask questions about why we come together. I can't imagine that they don't see that we look just the same. And so it was an interesting It's always an interesting experience. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's amazing. So when we come back from break, I want to explore that a little bit more and also talk about some birth sibling reconnections. So you'll hear more from that when we come back on Fostering Hope.
Welcome back to Fostering Hope. I'm Nathan Ross, your host, here with my co-host Jennifer Townsend. Hello, Jen. Hi there. Um, we were just hearing from Heather about her experience um, kind of getting questions about her large blended family out in public. And I was just wondering, Heather, you are the uh, director of training at Foster Adopt Connect. So you are a trainer by trade. You're actually my STARS foster parent trainer. You did an amazing job. Thank you. Uh huh. Um, but does it ever get tiring answering questions for people when you're not on the clock, when you're out in public? Does that ever get tiring? Do you ever have days where you don't want to be the spokesperson for large foster adoptive families out in the community? I think everybody has days that they don't want to do the things that they're called to do. But the reality is, is that if I take my large family out, then I'm going to have to answer whatever the questions are. And sometimes we get lucky and we don't have to. We almost always get looks, but sometimes I don't have to explain. Um, but I don't, I view that that's part of, part of what we signed up for. The part that you don't know about when, when you first get started is how you're going to have to justify. Uh, I think what's harder for me than explaining is dealing with a large family bias Mm -hmm. where people have certain expectations of you because you're a large family or you can't be seated together in a restaurant without being a, a group that has to wait for two hours for a seat mm -hmm. uh, because people really don't, they get overwhelmed by the number of kids you bring in. But my kids are really well behaved when we go places. And so we only go places when we all can manage it. So the bias is harder for me to mm -hmm. tolerate the teaching part doesn't ever really get old because I, I believe that people ask their questions even if they're pointed and they cross lines with intentions of having something to contribute. Like I my cousin was in foster care or my auntie and uncle were foster parents or my sister is adopted. They Usually when they're asking those kind of things, usually most of the time, it's because they have something they want to share and relate to us. And lots of times the message turns into for my kids, you guys are really lucky that you have this. Sometimes um, it's really heartbreaking when someone will say, I grew up in foster care and I wish I would have had a family like you guys have. Like there's a lot of you, like we fill a Burger King, we fill, some, you mm -hmm. know, smaller restaurants. And so um, it's hot. I think my kids by their nature and their kindness and the compassion that they've learned from this lifestyle also teach uh, just by being receptive to the information and not being guarded about their mm -hmm. background or how they came here. The expectation is that we all kind of do that teaching together. And I think it's it, it's, when we don't want to deal with it, we stay home and we have a good time together at home too, but we all know kind of what, what might happen when we go out. Mm -hmm. And so that, I think that's an important civic duty for all of us that there's no shame in our game. Like, we all got here by something that may not have been awesome, but now we are together and it is awesome and we're all overcoming our own struggles and making it work. We just kind of, we just look different than other people. Well, Maddie's certainly an example of that. I don't really, I work with a lot of teenagers and have my whole professional life, but, um, you know, your daughter is an 18-year-old teenager who is able to share her story with us so eloquently. So, I mean, that's... The proof is in the pudding on that one, Mom. <laughs> yeah, she's pretty amazing. <laughs> and and so I definitely wanted us to to end this series on a looking towards the future. And I know 
that with being adopted, especially Maddie, as you've talked so much in the beginning about your birth family, that that is part of looking to the future is blending your two families together and realizing that it's an extension, as I think Heather mentioned a couple of weeks ago, that it's not just a new family. It's an extension of the family that you were born to. As you're looking to the future, what do you envision as your relationship to your birth family? Is there going to be reconnection? And how do you think that will work? Um, I definitely want connection with my brother who lives in Washington. Okay. Um, after my other brother died, I kind of did get reconnected with my family. Um, not so much with my dad. You know, it's, it's still the same. Like, I will always love him whether he, you know, shows love to me or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but he doesn't contact me as much as I kind of wish he would. Um, and that that feeling's... You know, it's it's the same for my brother in Washington. He tells me all the time that he wishes he would be the bigger person and, you know, talking to his kids. But um, I do want to reconnect with my brother. You know, it's been a long time. Um, and maybe a couple of my cousins. I do have a cousin that goes to Christmas, and okay. we see each other every once in a while. So I hope, but, you know, that's the future. Okay, and... For you, Heather, I, I know that for parents who adopt kids out of care, especially kids who come to them as teens and with a knowledge of their birth family, that it can sometimes be scary when you think about reconnecting because some families feel like they're losing a part of their, their child. They're losing the child that they were with when they were sick. They went to all their games and stuff, and yet your kid goes and reconnects to birth family and treats them like nothing ever happened. How do you and, and Robbie – Take that into consideration, but also appreciate the value of birth family connections. I don't think there's any denying birth family relationships are significant to all of our kids. That is a that's kind of a standard. The way that we start, the way we started with fostering, is that birth families are a part of the picture. Um, I think it's really about raising your kids to know the difference between right and wrong, and understanding that love is expandable. It's not really something that. You can only love us or you can love them. And our goal is to never put kids in the middle of having to choose between us and them because they really are jointly shared kids that we all love. Love just looks different for different pieces, different parts. And so um, it is a scary thing, I think, for lots of foster parents to feel like you're going to lose your kid or that they're going to grow up, take advantage of everything you have to offer, and then they turn 18 and off they go into the sunset Right. Uh, with the birth family. And right. I, I I, have had that happen a time or two with some of my older kids that we didn't adopt. Um, but somehow what happens is they come back. Like when something happens or when there's something they want you to be a part of and they flip back through their mental Rolodex, it's your face that comes up as the person that would be available, that would help them, that would be there no matter what. And so it may be five or six years before they come back, but they... They almost always come back. And so the, the 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 work that you put in, the seeds that you sow in the time that you have with them, sometimes it just takes a minute for that to come to fruition once they reach adulthood. But we have lots of relationships with kids we've fostered mm-hmm. after they've reached adulthood or after they've gone home. Um, and I think they that whole grass is always greener. The kid always thinks, well, if I went to my birth family, they'd never make me clean my room or eat mm-hmm. peas or any of those kind of things. Right. I think they want to go explore that and they find out pretty quickly that, oh, they make me do those things too. And mm-hmm. and, <laughs> and this isn't quite as familiar as it was in my other place. And so when they get there, they want to be with us. But when they're with, uh, with us, they want to be there. So how do you marry that together so that they can have 
comfort with both sides. And that's, that's, I think that's really the trick. So we don't have issues with Maddie's family. We'd like her to be involved with, and we would, we would like us all to be involved with. Like if you get Maddie, you get all of us. If you, we get Maddie's birth family, we get all of them too. It's not just. So you anticipate that that relationship continuing to grow with both sides of the family as you move forward? Because her events become bigger. So like when we're looking at Maddie getting married or we're looking at Maddie graduating from high school, those are big milestones that I would never want to deprive a birth family of being able to participate in if that's what makes Maddie comfortable. You know, but at some point Maddie will have to choose which dad walks her down the aisle. And I, of course, have a thought on which one it should be, but it's really going to ultimately be Maddie's choice. So that's the risk. That's some of the risk that you take and hope, you know, you can just hope and pray for the best. And so we're going to go to commercial. And when we come back, I do want to talk about, are there any of those things that are scary for you, Maddie? Um, So we'll hear more about that when we come back on Fostering Hope. Welcome back to Fostering Hope. I'm your host, Nathan Ross, here with my co-host, Jennifer Townsend. Hi, Jen. Hi. We've been talking with Maddie and Heather about their experiences coming together as a family and looking to the future, what that will look like. And so before break, Heather and Maddie were talking about reconnecting with birth family and how that isn't going to be something on either of their ends that they're going to have to choose between necessarily, but it's really a coming together and saying both are family, both will be at important milestones. And so I did just want to briefly talk with you, Mandy, about how do you feel about that? How do you feel about having so much family for those important milestones? Does it make you nervous or does it make you excited? Um, I, I'm i really looking forward to the future um, going on. Um, I feel like it would be really fun to have both families at a lot of events, a lot of important things. Um, I am planning on graduating this May. Um, And I do just want that to be my adoptive family um, because they've been there through my whole high school career. Okay. Um, And that's really more sentimental for us um, because we've made it and dad did most of my homework. So (laughs) not do your homework. (laughs) The teachers hear that. Exaggeration. (laughs) Going on after high school, plans for that. Our Navy, I want to go straight into the Navy. Oh, wow. Um, okay. And for graduation for that, I do want some of both families to be there because um, that's really a big deal. Um, and I just after that, I I don't want it to be choosing one or the other. So, like, if I ever get married or have any kids, you know, it's always going to be both families that are going to hopefully be willing to come together and enjoy it mm-hmm. um, and not really – Think about, oh, well, this is her family and I'm right. her family. So I don't want it to be that that headbutting. I just want yeah. it to be, you know, we can come together for this time of joy, you know, um, not really any fighting. And I hope we can do that over the years and work on it so that when it's time, um, we're all ready and we're all prepared. Yeah, that's great. I mean, it sounds like you really have a plan in mind for what that future will look like. So you're going straight into the Navy. What led to that? Um, I've always been big on helping other people. Um, and ever since I've been in foster care or ever since I've been adopted, 
Um, it's really kind of opened my eyes to the opportunities that I will have. Um, and it's really opened my heart a lot, I think, um, to really caring for people and wanting to help people out. And I don't want to just help one person or two people. I want to really help as many people as I can. Um, my first job that I wanted to do was a missionary. I wanted to be a church missionary and go around and help people and okay. be a nurse. But um, in the Navy, they do do a lot of missionary work. So I'm hitting two dreams in one. I get okay. to help my country and I get to help other countries. Um, and that's kind of what led to it is just I, I feel like my heart's really grown being through the things I've been through in life. That's such a, an amazing perspective. And one that I have noticed in working with teens for the last five years is that those young people with the higher resiliency or who are able to see the good in the situations that didn't necessarily have a lot of good in them tend to have that more uh, social justice focus, much like your adoptive parents were mm -hmm. talking about. And so it is very, it's so important for families to really encourage that for kids who have suffered from abuse and neglect because it can be the difference in the path they choose. So that's that's really cool. So Heather, Navy, huh? For your for your precious daughter, how are you and Robbie adjusting to that? Uh, we're still getting our head around it. We will support her 100%. And I was doing really well with that until she told me she wants to be a aviation rescue swimmer and jump out of helicopters and, to oh. the ocean and <laughs> save people. And I think, yikes, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, if, if, if I, I think that if she's brought to it, then she'll be brought through it. And I, I can't teach that kind of compassion. Like that's really, that's really something that's internalized in her and all of the things that she wants to do are rooted in that. So we support her 100%. And, um, I'm a little anxious about her leaving home and, yeah. um, you know, but I think that's kind of normal when your kid is getting ready to go out on their own and figure out what right. they're, what they're going to do. And there's going to be some bumps and some hurts and, um, I won't be right standing next to her cause I will not be in a helicopter. <laughs> I will not be able to fix, you know, or right. put my arms around her and help it, help her know it will be okay. And so I think there's some, the normal, like, Ooh, I'm going to miss her. And Ooh, is she going to be okay? And right. as an adult, I know we all kind of know that there are things coming that are going to be, uh, pain causing growth experiences mm -hmm. that will occur for her. And, I wish those to be growthful and less painful if possible for her. But um, I think she'll always come home. Um, I, too, hope that her both families can be connected. We've had a few incidents and uh, where are opportunities for us to come together. And so far, it hasn't been super smooth. And uh, it feel, I feel I want it to get that way. But we can't. What Maddie understands and what we all understand is that we can't control how everybody feels about stuff. And we've had a lot of time and we kind of are immersed in that way of people have people having to grow and accept mm -hmm. things a little faster because of the because all of our family comes from a lost place and so i think that her birth family has a harder time accepting her what has what's been happening with her and so we just have to be patient with them and be open and inviting to them and hope that uh, their love for maddie will mm. eclipse their uncomfortableness but i do like those are things i worry about as a mom is that she'll be disappointed by, um, by people, just people in general, mm -hmm. and that that will be that could hurt that kind heart that she has been developing and growing for the last uh, eight or ten years or so. Okay, so sounds like I mean you're going through a lot of the experiences that, as you said, that normal 
parents go traditional parents go through <laughs> there's no normal i mean but traditional families with traditional kids growing up go through maddie what do you hope to get out of your relationship with your adoptive family moving forward what do you hope to count on them for um everything okay <laughs> <laughs> i i mean i count on them as if i was born to the into that family um there's not really anything that i feel like i would never go to them for um i just know at the end of the day, there are always the people I, I can come to, whether I like the response of the situation or not. Um, and definitely I'm going to be coming home from the Navy, proud of where I came from. I mean, the, it's not going to affect the way I get into the Navy. I mean, just because I'm adopted, it's not going to change anything. If anything, I would like to reach out to people because um, my plan is not to only have biological children at that happens but i do also want to adopt okay um they have inspired me in many many ways um and i would like to carry through with that and and really reach out and show people that you know you can be much more and you can do much more for your country it doesn't you don't have to be in the armed services you don't have Mm -hmm. to you know fight for everybody's rights it's as simple as reach out to a child in need and give them a new life give them a second chance because that's what i got wow that's nice. How does that make you feel? <laughs> that's well, should have brought tissues. Yeah. So, wow. That's that's amazing. We're so graduation season. This appears like this it, is going to be the start of lots of yeah. <laughs> tears. <laughs> but that's so awesome to hear that you, you want your family to be there for everything. They are going to be your social support and your rock. And I think that a lot of people do well to hear that that type of feedback. You guys have have had your rocky roads and there are going to be times, as you said, where you don't love the feedback, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you know, you're going to always go back to them. And I think yeah. that that's great. And for, you know, you Heather, just knowing that you're always going to be there to say, come home. And though I can't be in the helicopter with you, I am <laughs> in spirit <Yes>. wishing you well <laughs> and trying to encourage you. So I, I think that's so cool. So Heather, what do you hope to get out of your relationship with Maddie as you move into this new part of parenting it's not going to be the day-to-day I'm telling you what to do it's going to look a little different what do you hope that looks like I hope that our relationship morphs the way that it should and so when Maddie can say things like obviously we don't have conversations like this at home all the time like we'd never get anything done if we just had these kind of conversations (laughs) so the, the reality is is that our plan, our hope, our dream is that for, for Maddie and for any of our kids is that th- these are lifetime connections. These are lifetime relationships. And we want to be uh, grandma and grandpa to any kids that are born to them or are adopted by them or fostered by them. We have a few kids that have that in their plan. We have another couple of kids that think fostering is a great form of birth control. And so it they is. don't have any plans Amen. for children, but they're so much younger and that's working well for us right now. Um, but we want to be, we the, the relationship should move over into something that always is mother, daughter, but becomes a, a less separateness required because I don't have to be the person that then disciplines her or holds right. her accountable, but it can become her support and maintain that cheerleader role for her like that. You know, she's my daughter as if she was born to me. I don't remember a time in my life that she wasn't part of um, of my being. And I think it's been planned from the get-go for her to be born one family and to come to our family. And so I don't, I am glad to hear that, that her plan is not to, you know, 
get on a ship and yeah. I don't see her again. Yeah, say peace to. out, sakes. Yeah, no, we <laughs> it's want been to real, be, but <laughs> it would be so weird. It's already yeah. so weird to think about, like that her room will be empty and that she, you know, we'll have to wait for her to come home. It's kind of right. Sad, actually. But yeah, there are other sisters ready to take your room over. No worries. But, <laughs> the, but the reality is, is that when Maddie leaves, there'll be a hole. But the relationship will just change to the next step. Like it doesn't, it doesn't end. But sometimes in fostering, it ends. But I'm glad this, Maddie's the first girl that we've brought all the way up. And so I like. Remember, I was a big fan of boys, but Maddie has actually changed my mind quite a bit. Into there are some. There's some value to some girls out there, and girls so, are worthy of a chance too. So we are we are almost out of time, and we want to definitely wrap up and talk about you know our uh, radio shows plans for the future. And so I just want to thank you both for being here. We really appreciated hearing your stories, and we look forward to seeing all the great things you do, Maddie, and more about how your family continues to grow and thrive as you head into the future. When we come back from break, again, we'll do a recap of what's happened and what we'll be doing in the future on Fostering Hope. Welcome back to Fostering Hope. I'm your host, Nathan Ross, here with my excellent co-host, Jennifer Townsend. Hi, Jen. Thank you. That was very flattering. Yes, I try. So we just <laughs> wanted to recap what we've been talking about with the Sakes over the last few weeks and really giving our listeners an, an overview of what we anticipate happening moving forward. So, JT, what did you think about, about the Sakes and their stories coming together? They are... Amazing. I mean, Heather is amazing, but she has also helped to raise an amazing young lady. Um, I think they did a great job illustrating just really the entire arc that is, you know, the foster care experience, really. I I love to hear from both perspectives. Um, And I don't know. I think it made me, I've always wanted to be a foster parent. I Mm -hmm. am a foster parent, but I think it made me even more hopeful moving forward and adopting and being a forever family. That's awesome. And I, I 100% agree with you on everything except the adopting part. As an adopted <laughs> person, I am super glad that I have a family that adopted me, but my calling is definitely working with the kids and not taking them home. <laughs> but they very, they very... That's funny you say that because my wife is adopted, but I have really <laughs> wrangled her into yeah. foster care. So Yeah, people, I feel like from, from this side of things, end up on one of the two sides where it's like, I'm glad it happened, but no thank you. And then other people are like, I'm so glad it happened. I want to uh-huh. do it myself. Um, I, I am happy to have them go to other homes. <laughs> um, but, but I think you're absolutely right that the, the Sake family really did illustrate what it is like to mm-hmm. be in a foster family you know, type of relationship, which is why we needed to spend the four weeks really giving that overview. I think we would have absolutely. done a very, uh, disservice mm-hmm. by trying to wrap it up into you know, a 40, 50-minute segment um, whereas with our future stories, we'll be able to really, you know, start and end the story in those in those one segments. But I know one thing that I was really impacted by with the stories from the Sakes is really just that piece of having Maddie talk in the first week about how much connection she had to her birth family mm-hmm. and hearing her talk 
today about how much love she has for her adoptive family Mm -hmm. and that her love for her birth family has not subsided. Like she Mm -hmm. hasn't felt like she's had to sacrifice anything but has really been able to give love to both. And I think that that's something that's really powerful to hear and something that, you know, even for myself I hadn't really thought of because Mm -hmm. when I came into care it was very much a – Forget about the old. I have the mm-hmm. new. I wanted to, you know, kind of just look as if my life started mm-hmm. over. When she said she wanted um, her birth family and her adoptive family to come together in joy for future experiences, I immediately thought, I, I want to do that. I yeah. want to I want to come together in joy with my future children and, and hopefully birth families. That sounds amazing. Right. It, it was just very cool that at such a young age, she really had that that mindset that mm-hmm. it really isn't a, a choose between, which is I so often heard on both sides, the fa- the parent and the child side. So I thought that was very interesting and so cool to hear Heather indirectly talk about the different things that her family has instilled mm-hmm. in, in Maddie. And so I think it's always cool to hear families that sound like each other when they aren't born to each other. You, you expect your kids to have your personality or your quirks when they're born to you. Mm-hmm. But I know like even with my family, especially with my adoptive mom there are lots of things that i'm like we have the same mind and i didn't come into the family until (laughs) i was 13 years old but i believe on future episodes we'll get to hear from your sister liz right you will and so fun for everybody if i did not look different (laughs) it would be very hard for people to to, i can attest to that (laughs) to to understand that oh wow this is they they were not always together and so i that's so cool to hear from from them um so, so yeah so what's coming up what can we expect so moving forward with our Fostering Hope show, I think that we're, well, I know we're going to have a lot of different stories. Our goal is really to have that overview of the foster care system. Mm-hmm. You know, we're a very solution-based organization. And so all of the things that we do are about filling those gaps in services mm-hmm. and helping the community at large just understand, hey, this population is here. We need your help. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something you can do. And so the different stories and perspectives that we bring in are really to touch on these are the many multifaceted uh, mm-hmm. experiences of the foster care system. And, and these are kind of the problems and proposed solutions. So I, I really look forward to that, especially mm-hmm. with, you know, next month being Child Abuse Prevention Month. Yep. Um, so. So we'll be able to um, offer our listeners um, some some arcs, usually yes. it's some monthly arcs of uh, related stories, but each episode will be a standalone episode exactly um, in differentiation to the past four weeks which was a four episode narrative from heather and maddie exactly and so we really want those standalone episodes to they're really going to tie back in in some way to the sake story because as an agency you know we're all about the family family preservation Mm -hmm. kids do best in families and so while mentors are fantastic and um therapists are fantastic and both things that i was able to to have when I came into care, the piece that really set me on track for my life and what set Maddie on track was that forever family piece, Mm -hmm. that having those people who day in, day out, I can be ornery, I can be (laughs) funny, and and I'm that way with both, you know, with Mm -hmm. with my family. I get to be that, and at the end of the day, I know they are there. And so as we talk about investigations that lead to kids coming into care. And as we talk about even the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender community, Mm -hmm. uh, all of those things are going to tie back into the importance of family and the Mm -hmm. family dynamic and how, as a community, we really need to wrap around Mm -hmm. our family supports, however they come together, which is Mm -hmm. another thing we heard from Heather and Maddie. It's, 
I think um, what I think is that our next episode we're going to hear um, some information about child and abu- child abuse and neglect in our yes. community, and I'm hoping that we're able to touch on um, ways that those supports can surround our biological families yeah. in order to uh, prevent abuse and to prevent children coming into care um, before we move forward learning more about the services that we can offer them once they enter care. Absolutely. And I I think that's one of the coolest things that I've been able to see as I've worked in this field is that we are bringing in our birth families into the foster family community. And Mm -hmm. so we often think about just foster. You had your kids taken away, so you're excluded from the conversation. And Mm -hmm. I I think it's going to be very important for people to realize we can't say that fostering is is temporary and then exclude the families from the conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it really is going to be looking at those factors. What what really leads to abuse and neglect? It isn't that all of our families have ill intent or malicious, mm-hmm. you know, malicious intent. It's that when certain factors aren't there and certain needs aren't being met, how are we going what are about the vulnerabilities? What are our vulnerabilities? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And yeah. so I I look forward to having that discussion in our future episodes about that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so, I, JT, I, I know that for our listeners that we're going to be switching out our co-hosts in the in the next series and having Liz Luce on um, helping me wrangle our, our guest speakers. But I mm-hmm. for sure want to thank you. And I know you'll be back as we have future series. But I kind of just wanted to get your feedback. You know, what what do you hope that we continue to get out of these stories or what did you get from this that was so impactful? Um, I think that it's great to hear Uh, facts and information about the foster care and adoption uh, community. But I think hearing those personal narratives going hand in hand with that information is what is the most impactful. It's the most impactful for me. Like I said earlier, Heather was actually my foster um, trainer. So when I became a foster parent, she was my trainer. And it was those narratives that really um, impassioned me to the work. So Okay. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Uh, So we're we're about to conclude our show. And I just... Want to get out? We really are. We are interested in the feedback of those listening. So please feel free to contact us on Facebook, Twitter. Our Twitter handle is fosteradopt underscore org. Uh, you can email Nathan N A T H A N at fosteradopt.org. We want to be able to get those questions and answer them on the air. Uh, you've been listening to Fostering Hope, a production by Foster Adopt Connect. We are a comprehensive regional support and advocacy center for abused and neglected children. To learn more about how to become involved, please contact us on any of our social media or again by email or visiting our website. Thank you all so much.